Welcome to the Third Growth Option Podcast, where we talk with business leaders and innovators hungry to drive growth that can be faster than internal organic growth and less risky than acquisition. Your moderator is Bernal Dunkerspuler, Chief Sherpa and CEO at Realign, who has led private equity-owned distributors through turnarounds and growth. With battle-proven leaders from all frontiers, we want to provoke thinking about business growth beyond conventional wisdom and binary choices. Hey, I'm Benno, your host, talking today with Scott Rollman, sales executive, sales strategist in the B2B industrial market space. Uh, Scott, welcome to Third Growth Option Podcast. Good morning, Benno. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. I'm really looking forward to kind of getting your thoughts on sort of the intersection of digital marketing and selling. So now you started as an outside sales guy, right? In the first decade after college? I did. Um, I did. I was um, the person calling directly on the the end users and uh, representing the factory in in most cases. And then uh, with Vega Americas, a German industrial measurement maker for the last 14 or so years, With a pretty impressive rise up the greasy ladder of success, as I like to say. (laughs) Increasing responsibilities, strategic roles, board member for your Mexican operation and director of sales for North and South America since uh, 2013, I think, right? Correct. It's been a great ride and uh, experienced a lot of growth and uh seen the market change and the dynamics and the, the way we go to market change significantly. It's, it's been a lot of fun and no two days have ever been the same, Benno. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this, you know, inter- what I call the intersection of digital marketing and selling in, in, a, in a virtual setting. So we can call it virtual selling or e-selling. And that's really evolving. And then, you know, I also want to talk a little bit about the people side of that and how to sort of bring out the best in people and, and, and their superpowers. Two separate topics, but I, th- I think very much interrelated. Let's start with just salespeople's behavior, you know, really changed during and post-COVID. In what ways have you seen salespeople's behavior change I'll, I'll answer that in a couple of ways. The first way I'll uh, I'll answer it is that um, they were forced to change their behavior because there was a date when pretty much the access to customers and the traditional knock on the door, walk into the building and work your way through the decision makers, it, it kind of stopped all of a sudden right at the beginning of COVID when the country decided we were going to shut down and, and start uh, introducing protocols on how people would interact. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. I think that was a forced kind of stop. The second way I'd like to answer that is I think that some salespeople's, um, since you mentioned superpowers and them being related, started to shine at that exact same time. And other people took a step back in the way they approached their customers in the marketplace. There were a lot of people who were really great on social media, for example, and really were able to promote themselves, promote the company, promote products, and create value through other um, alternative methods, um, such as LinkedIn. LinkedIn's been a huge part of our our strategy and our, our success moving forward. And there's been people who just naturally took to that. There were other people who their behaviors didn't necessarily change and adapt to the current marketplace, and they were stymied for a period of time. And it was our job as sales leaders to figure out how to um, 
help them through that transition because it's, it's, it's not going to change. There's been a, a dramatic shift in the way that we interact with our customers, the way that we promote ourselves. And I, I think this is when I say we, I mean sales organizations in general, not, not specific to my company. But the, the way that we are able to present ourselves in front of others had to change. So getting the people that were, that had these superpowers and were naturally good at doing it and keeping them doing it and keeping them motivated through the time when they were working from home and also getting the people who didn't naturally tend to move that way into the, the new normal was, uh, was quite a big challenge. And it took a lot of meetings, a lot of time, a lot of, uh, a strategic thought, a lot of new tactics to try those kind of things to get salespeople's behavior to, to match what was actually working. So there's a behavioral change of the salesperson, either sort of getting with the program, this may be a tongue in cheek way of saying it, and salespeople really had to become more intentional about, you know, how they reached out to the right customer at the right time. Talk a little bit about how marketing as the marketing function as sort of a, a work as a sales enablement tool in this new digital arena. Sure. A couple things that we saw from a um, marketing perspective uh, that, that played a huge part so far and continue to were virtual trainings and promoting those to the customer that it mattered to. So um, you've always got to be relevant in the message you deliver to somebody, otherwise you become noise. But uh, a huge step right at the beginning that we took was to introduce marketing-led training events. And we found that we expected to get a, a pretty small number of uh, attendees at the first one. And by small, I mean less than 100. And we found that in our very first time that we tried this as a marketing strategy, we got 800 people to sign up. Wait, wait a minute. The first virtual training was less than 100. And then what did you do to get to 800? I mean, that's a huge jump. I, maybe I misspoke. We expected to have less than 100 people sign up to attend. What we found was 800 people sign oh, up wow. to attend the event. Gotcha. So we, we exceeded our expectations. So we, we took that as, hey, this is something that we think will work. Let's do more of this and let's be more specific. And let's find a way to make sure that this is also a platform for our salespeople to reach out to new customers. Because something that was also very interesting that happened while we were doing this was we found that people were sharing with others. So we started having people that weren't in our CRM database start signing up for these training events. And also we found that through LinkedIn specifically, that we were getting a lot of people who were following us on LinkedIn or seeing us on LinkedIn for the first time that were also signing up. So our number of customers in our database significantly grew while we were also servicing our current customers with training needs that they had. So it was a, it was a really, really cool thing that we did and something that, um, well, we'll, we'll continue to do more of. So the training session was obviously for 800 people to sign up, it was obviously the right topic presented in the right way that had you done these uh, virtual training sessions before COVID, was that something you had experienced before and now you just did it in a more frequent way or was it, was it a new thing? I would call it a new thing. We had done it in very small doses for specific customers, not for a broad audience. 
that was the major difference is that we, we opened it up to whoever wanted to attend versus doing something specific for a, um, a subset only that had, that had requested it. Interesting. So what I'm hearing you describe with what you and your team have learned maybe to do better over the last, you know, almost two years now of COVID is you've become more intentional about providing value to current and prospective customers in a virtual setting, uh, reaching out through social media, announcing, addressing, promoting maybe, but providing value over social media. I would say the other major thing that we've done is we've gotten so much better at creating value messages and taking that value message and helping the seller, this is the sales enablement part, helping the seller to know what they do with the message that's been sent to their customer. For example, if we tell, if we send out something to a group of customers and say, Hey, this is something that's really needed. And we think you'll be interested because of XYZ. That's a component and you can create awareness by doing that. But to have the follow up and the calls to actions next for the salesperson to say, Hey, Hey, this, this subset of my customers has received this message from my marketing department. What do I do next? What do I say when I call on the phone? How do I secure an appointment? Um, and that has been very important because customers haven't said yes to, hey, can I come see you next Wednesday when I'm in town? It needs to be much more specific now and much more value-based. So to be able to say, I'm calling because you received XYZ message. We think that that's relevant to you because of such and such reason. Do you have 15 minutes or a half hour to talk to me next week when I'm in town? We found things like that are much more significant in getting attention and creating credibility where we're able to separate ourselves from some of the messages that our, our customers typically hear from others. And it sounds to me like the virtual platform of getting a sales message across or getting a marketing message across, I think it forces the salesperson to be more intentional and it enables the company to be more focused in what message gets out to a large group of people. Is that fair? I think that's very accurate. I want to talk a little bit about digital transformation, which when I think about digital transformation, there's sort of automating and digitizing processes, customer-facing uh, with the salespeople, but then also back-end processes, you know, like inventory availability, order status, and all of that, and making all that visible and usable to both the customer and to the salesperson. Sort of like an Uber app is, you know, the image that I think we all have in our head when we think about, you know, perfect visibility or near-perfect visibility. What challenges or, or, or maybe successes come to mind in, in your company's journey of, transforming the front end and the back end of digital transformation? Let me start with the fact that we have a strong digital presence and that our customers can interact with it on the level that they want to interact with it, I think is what makes mm -hmm. it great. That's really the, the, the magic or the secret sauce to, to the way that we've been doing it from my perspective. The, some of the challenges are that a lot of our products that we sell are engineered. So it's not a, it's not as simple as getting on Amazon and picking the one you want necessarily or calling up an Uber and knowing how far it is away sometimes. That's not uh, as simple as maybe it, it 
could be in the future, um, th- that maybe that day's yet to come. And if, if I could just interrupt for one second, when you say your products are engineered, uh, you're talking about customization. Correct. Okay. Thanks. It's not, it's not a one size fit all. We, we do have products, as I'm sure most companies do that are more set up for a, um, e-commerce type of a transaction. And, and right. we do promote that and we, we do push that as it's appropriate. But there's a, there's a component of that that still has the need for human interaction to make decisions. So the, I, I would say that's the most challenging part of the transformation to an, an e-commerce type setting is that there, there will always be that need for the types of products we sell, uh, especially on the high-end products. Do you feel that there are, is there value add on your website for customers looking for customized engineered product? You have training videos, you have product information videos that help even in the customization process, don't they? We do. We do. We have we have a lot of of resources that would drive someone to the website just from a learning perspective, and through our e commerce site, well, we do have they're they're both independent of of one another, um, but there's a, there's a lot of crossover with the material that's shared on both. So it could be as simple as a customer wanting to see where their their products are in the delivery stage. Maybe there's an expedite need, or maybe somebody wants an engineered drawing, or maybe somebody, as you point out, wants to go in and find specific learning about a technology and how to apply it. We do mm-hmm. have a lot of engineers also who will go there and to the site and they will actually specify something. So there, there are people that are, are quite uh, knowledgeable and have the ability to go through some of the, the complexities that are on the higher end products. And so we... I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, there is not a one size fit all uh, for our business and how we approach this. It's it's more of a, can we put all the tools out there and make it the experience good, no matter what the level of uh, of understanding is for the person who's who's looking to do something with our company. What I love about you know I or what I see as the opportunity in digital transformation around sort of pre sale post sale you know, how the whole action with the customer before purchase order or, or a credit card is transmitted, and then after that until the customer receives the product. That whole customer experience process, pre-sale and post-sale, has become, or, or we now have the opportunity to make it a richer experience and a more thought-through experience because it's no longer... Scott talking to Benno, the buyer talking to the seller, but you you sort of have to engineer the whole experience online and make all the pieces fit together, front window and back room, right? That's right. It needs to be easy and it needs to be meaningful and have an impact because we we want we want people coming back. Yeah, it shouldn't be a one-time visit. We we want their people to find what that special nugget is that would drive them back. Um, and keep creating relevant content and, and reasons for them to, to continue to do so. Let's talk a little bit about superpowers. So that's something you, you and I talked a couple months ago, and we actually talked about our different backgrounds, right? You're, you're uh, a Midwest native. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a transplant who happens to have an office and a home in Cincinnati. But, you know, Midwesterners are, are not sort of known to brag about being a genius or embracing superpowers. Uh, you guys are more humble and modest, but I learned it helps 
again, using this word intentional, to be very intentional about what, what I'm really good at and then try to amplify that. And when I was younger, in my you know, 20s and 30s, I really struggled with doing that in an appropriate way. You know, I was probably too loud and too sort of bragging in my 20s and 30s. And, and I'm 57 now. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I th- I'm trying to be more sort of quietly confident. But it's a struggle to embrace your superpowers, identify them, first of all, and then em- em- embrace them. How do you think about doing that for yourself and doing that for your team? That's a great question, because I, I would agree with you, especially Midwesterners are very humble about patting themselves on the back. My thought is, is this. If you don't know what your superpower is, you can't embrace it. And if you don't mm-hmm. embrace it, you're not going to use it. So at some point in your life, whether it's uh, you at 57 kind of describing your situation or, or me at 51 uh, describing my situation, I think at some point you've probably recognized when you were in your moment and it was great and you, you solve clearly and you executed at a different level. That's where I see superpowers coming in. Mine, for example, I think is, so I'll brag a little bit. There you go. I knew you had it in you, Scott. <laughs> I think I do a very good job with whole to part thinking. I work in a, a world full of engineers in the industry I'm in who tend to analyze and, and create, see things tactically as, as their components. I do a very good job and where I match up very well with a lot of people are in my space is that I, I tend to see the, the big picture and then work the other way to, to achieve the big picture. So there, there's some very nice synergies that have played out very well for me in my career. I'm proud of you, Scott. You bragged a little bit. <laughs> There won't be much more, but I I had to give you one. (laughs) Thanks for humoring me. Your LinkedIn profile, I I will never forget, it it jumped out at me, uh, the the words deep thinking growth strategist. And, you know, I've, I've known you for several years now, and I do find you to be very thoughtful. I do find you to be, you know, I'm not surprised to hear, or it, it certainly rings true to, to hear you talk about you see the forest and then you work your way back to the trees and you, know, you see the concepts and then you work your way back to the details. And I think being insightful about what I am good at is the only way to help me get better at it. And I bet you help your team figure out what they're good at to help them get better at that, don't you? No question. It used to be subconsciously, I would say, Mm -hmm. um, for most of my career. I would say in the last two to three years, I've been more intentional about it. There's all kind of, uh, Mm -hmm. whether it be trainings or podcasts or books about building teams, but um, it's, it's very interesting to think about depending on the task or the goal you want to achieve, who would be the best people to be on that team? Because it's it's not always the obvious. And it's not always the people who you get along the easiest with or have the best laughs with. There's mm-hmm. a lot of ways to really look at that. And I've been, been trying to be much more intentional in the way that I go about things to pick the correct people and empower them to make decisions. And I, I say, what do you think we should do a lot? 
when I'm in these types of environments. And you, and you find that people's superpowers tend to tend to shine through a little bit when you when you give them the opportunity to showcase them, whether they, whether they know they're doing it or not. So that's interesting. You say that over the last two or three years, you've honed your approach to putting teams together. Um, tell me a little bit about how you think about putting an ideal team together. And, and that could be a permanent team or sort of a you know temporary task force, whatever team concept you want to use. Sure. That's a, that's a great question. Generally, I, I will start with which departments need to be represented. Then I will spend time thinking about which individuals from which department would make the most sense to be on a specific team or, or just in a meeting if we're, we're in an idea share type of an environment. I really don't, don't go much beyond that. It's, um, maybe that's, um, not the most analytical way to go about it, but I, I generally look at what, which components of the, of the organization really need to be to be charged and and be fired up to make this thing successful. And then I look at the individuals in those groups. So let's say you have five different departments that need to be represented in the meeting. Fine. But within each of the five departments, you know, there's three or five potential candidates to pick from. How do you pick those three or five within a department? Is it based on their superpowers? Is it based on you want a good listener and you want a you know a high energy person or are there certain personal attributes maybe that you're looking to have represented around the table yes the the, the direct answer to that question is is definitely yes so um every team needs somebody who's going to drive it and sell it uh -huh. so there you uh -huh. have to have buy in that typically uh -huh. in most of the situations i'm in tends to be to be me or somebody from the sales department takes takes that kind of a role I would say the second most important, even though maybe it's not always portrayed that way, is the person who's going to hold the group accountable. That person needs to be on every team. There's, so there's always an accountability person on each team. We need people who are really, really solid with ideas on the team, and there needs to be the the, the implementation folks. So th those would be the four that I see as most critical to, to putting something together to get started. Any other thoughts that you want to share with, with, with the listeners? To, I guess in general, when you're thinking about how we're going to be effective in the new marketplace and utilize e-selling and people's superpowers, just be open to new thoughts and ask a lot of questions because that some of the responses you'll get back are, are absolutely brilliant. I couldn't agree more with you. And I, I think, uh, you know, it's at the end of the day, curiosity is what you're talking about, right? Be open, be listen, you know, listen, be open and let yourself be surprised by the brilliance of others, right? They'll think of stuff that you and I have never even thought about. You'll, you'll be surprised at what you find and people's superpowers tend to, tend to shine through. Excellent. Hey, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. Um, and if, if folks wanted to reach out to you, you know, find you, I don't know if you Would they find you on, on LinkedIn maybe, or do you want to give an email address or? Sure. You would find me on LinkedIn, tend to be pretty good and check a, a couple times a day on LinkedIn. And also my personal email at work is s.rollman at vega.com. Excellent. All right. Now people know how to find you. Thanks a lot, Scott. This was great. Thank you, Benno. I really appreciate it. If uh, folks wanted to explore other growth topics, You can find me on our website, realignforresults.com, or just email Benno, B-E-N-N-O, at realignforresults.com. And uh, keep growing.
You can listen to more episodes on Apple, Spotify, or Google. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review it. Share it with your friends or colleagues if you enjoyed the content. Always growing.